Welcome to the Global River Church Discipleship Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. And you must not cheat anyone. Honor your mother and father. Well, teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. And looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. Well, there's still one thing you haven't done, Jesus told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And that struck me this morning. And I said, Lord, why did you want him then come follow me? Then come follow me. Normally, as we choose to follow him, that stuff, we choose him over that stuff. But he said, go sell your possessions, then come follow me. And on the way here, Holy Spirit said, and this is, I think, just a word for who's here, just for us, just to provoke us, to challenge us. From the time he was young, he had been following the commandments, so he knew God. He knew his word. He was living a Christian life. And he said, what must I do? And Jesus says, you need to do this before you can follow me. And I think that no matter how long we walk with the Lord or how long we've been with him, we always have a moment where Jesus says, I need you to sacrifice that before you can follow me where I want to take you. I want to take you someplace, but for you to go there, you need to go sell your possessions and give them to the poor. And the scripture goes on, and he talks about riches. And riches, when you look into the interlinear, it was needs. It was possessions. It was needs, and it was wants. And so this is just a word for the house that there are places Jesus wants to take you. There are are places that he's calling you into and you can't get there unless you let go of those possessions, whatever that looks like. And the two gentlemen that are going to be sharing testimonies tonight, I think are going to inspire faith of what it looks like to lay those possessions down. They're not necessarily idols. They can be comforts. They can be behaviors. They can be mindsets. They can be jobs. They could be locations. They can be many different things. It can be pride. It could be laziness. It could be procrastination, whatever that looks like in your life. So I just want to invite us all to go to that place and go, 
I don't ever want to get to a place where I'm not willing to sell. And I just want to provoke all of us tonight to be in that place, to have that heart posture, and to be inspired by our brothers as they share tonight of what it looks like for others to put things down, to lay down costs and sacrifices, because you can't outgive them. You can't outgive them. He's more than enough. He's more than enough. So we just thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you, Lord, that every heart in this room, Lord, I thank you that you're going to pierce every heart in this room tonight, every heart that listens tonight and and in days to come, that you're going to pierce their heart with what you're speaking to them individually, Lord. I thank you that the words coming out of Richard and Daniel's mouth is being led by the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, that there's an anointing and there's a power on it, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for the heart posture of Richard and Daniel, Lord. I thank you for the courage and the bravery that it takes to stand up here and be vulnerable and to say all of the beautiful, ugly ways that you've been rescued and redeemed and the things that you've laid down, Lord. So I just thank you that you're here tonight. I thank you, Lord, that your hand is upon each one, Lord, and I just bless everyone here to have eyes to see and ears to hear what Jesus is speaking to you individually, Lord, and we lift your name up on high because we are sharing the testimonies of you of you and the way that you break in, the way that you lead us. We love you, Jesus. And I pray, I pray that you are looking down right now and you are so pleased. You are so pleased. So we just thank you. We love you. And I pray that this brings you glory, glory and honor tonight. In Jesus' name, Brother Richard, I put a water. Well, Daniel moved him. You have water if you need it. Thank you so much. Good morning, Global River. Friends, family. Um, so I want us all to do one thing. Don't do it till, till I say. I want you to breathe in with your lungs and breathe out of your mouth. So let's just all do one, two, three. That was a miracle. You guys are all walking testimonies. All of us. The earth a lot of times labels, oh, he's a walking testimony. She's a walking testimony. You all are a walking testimony. That he calls you by name. That the sun doesn't just, and you're gone in like a fifth of a second. And I could keep going. That you're alive on the earth right now. So it's a, well, maybe the next week or two, I don't know the, the schedule, but we'll all agree it's a privilege and a pleasure and an honor, but we're just one of a big family here that's all walking testimonies of the blood of Jesus and what it did in each of your lives. So I just want to encourage you with that. So um, my testimony, and my wife and daughter, they know this, and some of you guys don't know me, but it's going to kind of go like this a little bit. It's not going to be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's just how, that's just how, how I am. Um, but also because I, in, in the natural, it might seem like I didn't have a radical conversion uh, story. Okay. The reason why I said it that way, though, is every conversion story is unbelievable. So I'm going to say mine real quick, and you're going to be like, I, I, don't, I, I don't get that. Because it's, it is real quick. Christian home, when I was 12... 
I was at a winter retreat, um, junior high uh, uh, youth um, youth conference, um, tremendous youth group at our church, and I remember, and I'm almost done already, I remember breaking down crying, not because a story was sad or hard or some great part of the word, although I'm sure maybe there was elements of those things, but because I knew I was surrendering and he was coming in. I was letting him be the Lord of my life. That's my testimony. And, and so, okay, so um, just another thing also that you guys probably know, I cry a lot, so, but, but this was going way back earlier. And the reason I'm, I'm just saying this even because it, it, it comes up even later um, over the next minutes, but um, the Lord has just, I've been a crier since the earliest I can remember, three, four, five, like picking up a newspaper. Some of you guys might, might remember these things. Um, I did not grow up with uh, any, any technology, and I'm only 51. It might be hard to believe that I'd had no technology growing up, zero. Um, but I remember just looking at pictures of kids from Africa, and uh, not that it has to be Africa, but that's just, you know, the, these uh, world vision campaigns or whatever, and, and the telethons. Again, I know some of these words are, some of you youngers haven't heard some of these words. Um, but where you call in the number and I'm gonna, I'll give $10, I'll give $20. And um, so, and just, you know, people that didn't have, that's always broken my heart since I was, that has nothing to do with me. That has some, everything to do with the, with the Lord. So I just want to kind of throw that in. So, um, and I also just want to say that my testimony is not separated from my, my wife, because when you guys know that are married and, and should know that you're not, because it's in the word that two become one, but it's one plus one is one in marriage. So it's sometimes you might be hearing like we or we, or that's because this is now we almost 30 years ago. It's now we uh, praise the Lord for that. So. So I have a beautiful wife. I have seven kids. You know most of them. My oldest son's name is Richard. Most of you might not know him. You might have seen him a little bit. Um, down to the littlest David who's over in the elementary building. So, and just the grace of God, we all, for that, we already have five in heaven. Five miscarriages. Um, and though I don't pretend to understand the, 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 the loss and the just even the physical stuff that goes on in the woman, in my wife, I have grieved. And one of my five I had to bury. That was hard. So we have 12 actually total, three, three through adoption. Um, yeah, and so, um, you know, basically I just want to weave some, some themes together of healing of um, who's your daddy, because the Lord speaks that way to me sometimes. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm all that you need, and God is good. Now, we've been hearing goodness of God, worship, and Pastor Tom, and Pastor Bishop, and just others these last weeks, and the word, the word, the word. The word, the word, the word. So, uh, so we get married at 19. Another miracle is, I, is that I'm just that I'm even married. That's a miracle. God really knows I need help. 
And this, this girl was walking down the, the, this, this mountainside at summer camp. I was 19. She was 19. I was just trying to go help somebody carry their luggage. Because bless her heart, this gal that Gillian had brought to camp had brought suitcases to summer camp. I'm talking airplane size. And, and I'm not going to get into that whole story, but Gillian just was, has always had a heart for outreach. But this, this little girl, Gillian, 5'1", walking down the hill, ding, I saw her in a whole new way. And we were on the path to marriage very soon. And that this is also a part of our story because of all these other things the Lord was wanting to do, which I didn't know he was wanting to do, but it, it had to be like that. And, and you know, this, the, these, these years of, well, I want to I wanna kind of sow my oats and be, my, be myself and all this stuff. And I had these feelings. A lot of people think, well, you just, you, no, I, I had some of these feelings, and yet they're just, the Lord just takes them. It's not like they're gone and I'm sad, though. But he just takes them because he says one plus one is now one, and so the two of you, are going to have your journey now. So praise the Lord for that. So fast forward a little bit. We, um, we have our second son. No, I'm sorry. Let me back up. So, um, and Daniel helped me about seven. What am I tracking to? Seven, 20, what? Okay. All right. I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll take the minute. Um, so, um, so uh, my church um, upbringing uh, was one uh, strong in the word, strong in discipleship, strong in um, uh, home groups, uh, uh, D groups, small groups, uh, fellowship. Um, you know, uh, just being younger, being a younger one around olders and seeing olders wanting to be with the youngers. And so, though it had these elements, very strong elements. Um, there was some things that the Lord had to bring me into that that we see more here, um, but I, you know, you don't just read a textbook on these things. Now, it's in the Word, but I would read the Word, and I would just go, oh, yeah, of course, lay hands on the sick, and they will be healed. Yeah, yeah, that's good, but, like, that's not for me. I don't do that, um, and I'm just, that's just where, where I was coming from, and so, so the Lord had to bring radical things in our life, I believe, not just for me, but in part for me, and, and, for, and for whoever else he, he was wanting to touch, but our oldest son, when he was one year old, so I played a lot of basketball, a lot, tons of basketball. I could have played actually in college, and praise the Lord, I went to a different college, because I think I was being sent down there to study my hind parts off, and um, date Gillian long distance, and I just was so focused on studying, because that's all, that's all I had time to do, play a little basketball on the side, but, um, and so, but our son, one year old, I'm getting ready to go to a basketball tournament, and our son is one, one-year-old birthday. I'm going to Atlanta for three days. Yay, guy time. So I was, that's where I was trying to get just a little, little guy time here and there, you know. And my precious wife was always like, yeah, go, go, go. And um, she said, hey, honey, something's not right with Graham. He's one-year-old. Okay. I'm thinking, please don't. This is like information I don't need to hear right now because I'm getting ready to go to Atlanta, play some hoops, you know. I mean, I'm honestly feeling that. Like, this, I don't want to, you know, you're getting ready to go on a trip. You don't want to hear news that might hold you back, you know, and even from, 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 my, from my spouse. And so, but, no, honey, we, we need to do something. So we went to, a, we went to a, a doctor that we knew, a pediatric urologist, and he said, yeah, you need to go to the hospital right now, one-year-old. So actually, he's about two and a half. He's one. Oh, okay, so we 
going to go to the hospital. Of course, but the working in my heart is, do, do I really have to stay? I mean, there's great medical attention here in Nashville. I can still go to Atlanta. You know, so I'm just showing that, again, I got married 20, 21, 22, and I'm only 24, 5. I wanted to play some basketball. You know, the Lord was still having to do some stuff that didn't get all done before I got married. <laughs> so he was doing some of these things just as I, as I went. Um, so anyway, uh, one of the leading pediatric urologists in the world, actually, um, it was in uh, uh, Vanderbilt Hospital, solemn, we need to have surgery in several hours. Okay, so we went from, I'm going to play basketball, to I'm, I'm trusting that my son's going to live. And he had a mass about this big, down in his lower er- uh, areas. Um, they did the surgery. They come out to Gillian and I. They say, we have good news and bad news. Mm, that's never good news, dear. <laughs> the good news is we got the whole mass. Praise the Lord. Um, the bad news is it's called rhabdomyosarcoma, and he's probably going to die in three days. That's, that's what I was told. I'm 25. I'm a young husband. I'm a young father. I'm learning. That's not good. So now, now I went from I was going to be three days in Atlanta to he might not be alive in three days. <laughs> so we immediately brought our two pastors over from, from just this little Methodist church we were in uh, at, at the time, and they, they were praying with us. And we were, you know, and as a dad, you know, and a mom, we're just we're searching our hearts, God, what, what, what do we do here? So went into intercession immediately. Not, I mean, not like, not like Wednesday morning intercession. I mean, just crying, crying. I remember, I'm 6'5", I was about 240, a little better shape back then. And I remember a time, literally, I would be, I was lying on the shower floor. I was taking a shower, in the middle of taking a shower, crying on the shower, like the shower's still going, you know. Like that kind of crying, that kind of weeping. Like, I don't know what else to do, God. But I know what your word says, just cry out. And there was Gillian and there were people were crying out all over the world, actually. They sent the, the, the what do you call it, the, the mass, or a piece of the mass down to the Atlanta, I think it was the CDC, and they came back and they said, yeah, the cold section in the hospital showed it, but the, the section we just did, there, there's nothing there. We, be, we believe it's, it's not there, you know. Three days, you know. So now we go to three days. Now, now he's alive. Of course, he was always alive, you know, to the Lord, but... Whew. So just this place of, man, I just had an early husband and father places giving up my son and just saying, Lord, he's yours. Same name as mine, Richard. Same name as my dad, Richard. Three Richards, you know. Um, that's important in our family. Not just the name Richard, but any family name, you know. Um, so fast forward again, just a, little, just a few more years. So healing, again, healing, you know. Um, and that was new to me. I mean, I'd heard it on TV and I'd seen stuff, I'd heard stuff on the radio, but not in like, not as much of my own family, you know, and in, in this true about our testimony a lot, it's like, man, that's awesome. What, what we heard last week, John, and you know, just Amy and just different ones and, but not me. And I like, I don't have a big testimony. Well, I, that's not true. I do have a big testimony. We all have a big testimony. So fast forward about three, four years, uh, my, my same son, Graham, He's, we're doing head scans and hooking up all the nodes and 
doing all this crazy stuff because he was, is it epilepsy? Is it this? We were having medicines. We were, he was saying things. I don't even want to say them, but they're just in the middle of the night. He was looking at me with his eyes open, but as he wasn't looking at me, but he, his eyes were open and like, Lord, I'm only about 28 here. Like how do, what, what, what am I supposed to do? And now I got about three, at least three, maybe four kids. And I'm just, and then I'm tired engineering during the day and I'm, Lord, just, and, but I'm sharing this to say, but he, he was doing stuff in here. And this, because again, I didn't have some of these years prior. I, I believe again, this, this was some of his, his timing and goodness having to work through some of this stuff, even though I was married with kids at this point. So Gillian has a friend who says, well, you need to bring the elders. Oh, and he was saying, I'm again, I don't even want to say stuff, but he was, there was, it was demonic. If somebody had ever said the word demonic to me at that point, I would have said, that's TV stuff. Like, that stuff happens, like, with those people over there, like, in other places, continents. I'd never heard that word, ever, 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 except on TV. And um, so Gillian said, long, again, obviously, when you're doing something like this, all the, it's long stories short, but so this this good friend of Gillian said, you got to bring the elders. I mean, that's, that's, that's what the Bible says. Of course, I'm like, wow, I'm a good Presbyterian. I mean, I've read the Bible. I know all that. But they can't come in my house. This is my house. Like, stuff could happen. I'm just being honest, you know. And I'm like, I was afraid. Like, what if, what if this thing, what if it's good? What if the Lord breaks in? And like, but that's not how I read the scriptures. The scriptures, yeah, the, but that's not for me. And so... The elders come over, they pray over them. Immediately, we knew there was a shift. Immediately. And they weren't even inner healing and deliverance, prayer ministry trained up kind of folks. But they believed in the Bible. Praise the Lord. And they just kind of, four or five guys just pushed, kind of almost, not literally, but kind of, I looked at it as invading my space. And prayed over them. That night... No demonic dreams. He was, he was only about four, five, six, having demonic dreams every night, every night, telling us about it. The dark man, the dark, the man in black. I mean, I, I don't even want to talk a lot about it right now, but just constant. And then, yeah, the dark man's gone. I never, I, he's gone. Like, I didn't, nothing last night. I mean, again, as a four or five-year-old would say, totally free, <laughs> delivered, delivered, and I didn't even know what the word deliverance meant because I'd never heard that word before. Except on TV. I needed that about 40 years ago. Um, yeah, and healed from epilepsy. I mean, healed, healed from epilepsy, healed, 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 healed. So again, a healing. I'd seen the word, I'd seen the word, I'd seen the word, but it was in my face now. Healing, healing, healing. Okay. And uh, so fast, fast forward a little bit, a little bit more now. So. We're um, kind of maybe mid-30s, four kids from Nashville, Tennessee, engineer. I thought I was, what, what past time, uh, all that and a bag of chips, you know. I, love, I've, I've, I actually never, never heard that, but I, I thought I was kind of all that and a bag of chips. I mean, I, I, I believed I had the right heart posture, but the Lord was doing something. You know, I had the salary, I had the this, you know, we had the, the two cars, the house in the suburbs, you know, I was working 55 hours a week, some to, I think, hide from leading my family spiritually. I'm still trying to do that well. 
but my wife's still praying, and I'm doing a lot better than I used to do. Praise the Lord. So, um, I, just, I love seeing y'all's faces. Where am I out here? <laughs> I'm, I'm, but the Lord had a different plan. He said, uh, he, he started speaking adoption. We said, no, no I don't want no adoption. Now, Brooke and Ava, hang, hang with me. I wouldn't say no to you, but I was saying, I got four kids. We got this, my salary, all the numbers, T's, dot the I's, everything <laughs> calculates, you know, just, and the, and at, and the end of the month, normally doesn't beat the end of the money, but some months, like a lot of months, it was kind of close, you know. I can't, you know, again, I'm, I'm calculating. So we're going in the journey. Gillian gets, we're going to Africa. I don't get that. I'm not, I'm not going to Africa. Because domestically, hang with me, Brooke and Ava, because domestically, I got to, we can adopt through the state. We get a little stipend every month. I'm getting some money. They're right here. There's all these support networks. Because that's, 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 that's certainly what the Lord would want us to do. Well, my praying wife, within a month, we're, we're set up. We're going to Africa. And then we're going through the process. At that, they're a lot longer now, but about nine months in-ish, we got the pictures of Brooke and Ava. You have 48 hours to say yes or no. How can we say no to this? I mean, we, we looked at the pictures, and we really didn't even need to look at the pictures. Of course, we're, of course it's a yes. Then we're in Africa at the orphanage. They're at the same orphanage. About 25 kids. We wanted to take them all home, but we weren't supposed to. We're supposed to take these two home. And Ava gets picked up at 10 months, and... And Brooke, little Brooke, about two years old, he's, and all these kids are cutting, he's just slowly, and I knew that was my son. Just like the father in Luke 15 has compassion, or sees, has compassion, runs, hugs, or embraces, in some translations, and kisses. That's what so the Lord was taking me deep into the spirit of, uh, of adoption. And, and yet, you know, the spirit of adoption is not about sonship. It's about oneship. You know, the spirit of adoption is not about me. It's not about what the Lord did for me. It's who the Lord is. And yes, then what he did for me, but it's who he is. It's about the revelation of the beauty of Jesus. That's why we need to say his name a lot. Some, I've, I've started to do this more these last years. Jesus, Jesus, I'm, I'm walk, driving, I'm walking somewhere. Jesus, 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 because it's real. It brings life. The words of the book are real, and they breathe life. Yes, I'm his son, but only because he's my dad. He's my, we go, he's my daddy. He's your daddy. So, we go to, we're getting ready to uh, uh, foster a couple kids from the inner city of Nashville. Because, yes, we're going to do this. We're going to, you know, labor and, for the kingdom and just bring some kid, more kids into our house. We can do this. The Lord's going to allow this to work. And the numbers don't work, but they're going to work because he doesn't look at the numbers. Because if you look at the numbers in your life, you all know you'll talk yourself out of everything if you look at the numbers. Sean Malone says, if you look at your checkbook, you're never going to go on a deployment. That's true, isn't it? First thing we want to do. Let me, oh, sorry. Do I have enough? Oh, nope. Let's not do that. Something the Lord put on my heart, and I'm just going to look, and now it's over already? 
I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to me. So, Gillian says, we need some respite care. That means the, the, the two that were, so we had eight in our house at that time, under about 12 or 14, however old they, they, all these kids were. And, uh, and, and we go to Kansas City, and I said, I'm not going to Kansas City. I've never been to Kansas City. I've hardly ever heard of Kansas City except the Kansas City Royals. It's in the winter. It's snowing. It's zero degrees with the wind chill. I'm not going. I, I never, I didn't have Alaska blood. I mean, a couple weeks later, going to Kansas City. I have no idea what's going on other than the Holy Spirit was moving. I knew it was the Holy Spirit. I'd never said the word Holy Spirit. I knew the word says Holy Ghost. I felt better with that. But I said Holy Spirit. I'm being honest. But I, because it was just a word on a page. So, um, and my, my wife's looking at this thing called prayer and worship on, on live stream. We did have a laptop at that, at that point, you know. And I'm just thinking, hey, honey, you got to watch. They're praying. They're, they're, uh, they're praying. They're worshiping in Kansas City. I mean, of course, stuff's happening all over the earth. But, I mean, they're praying and worshiping Kansas City. we got to go to, well, that's great. I can pray worship right in our church in Franklin, Tennessee. Because I got my job, and we got the house, and we got the kids and cars and, you know, all the dogs and all that stuff. Praying. Now we're going to Kansas City. The car wasn't going to make it. I'm, I'm, some of these things I could be, I could pack a lot. But put, put our hands on the car engine. The Lord said 55. I said, Lord, I just going to take us forever to get there in 55 miles an hour. 55, suburban. Uh, eight of us didn't have David at the time. The other two, we dropped off at, at a, you know, a, a foster-approved house. And the eight of us in the suburban going to Kansas City. 55 miles an hour. Couldn't go above 55. <laughs> did the Lord say it? Well, I felt he did. So that's what we're going to do. We get to Kansas City, oh, the, one to, the 2009 One Thing Conference. The awakening had just happened. Like the Lord, he 11-11-2009, major awakening in a college class. Isn't it like the Lord, he often uses young people. We have to be, we have to be ready for, for ourselves, but we have to be looking at the young people. He often uses young people in history. Not only, but so be ready. So we get to... Uh, to, to the conference, it just blows me away. There's stuff going on. I'm like, this stuff is like TV stuff. But it's, I felt like the Lord was there. People getting healed. I'm healed. Rashes, like I don't mean like a little sun, like, like kind of uh, severe skin rashes, gone. I, think, I didn't have glasses at the time, but I had 20-20. Wheelchairs. I'm like, what is, what is all this? This is TV, you know. And uh, so three, four days, people coming up to me, prophesying over. I said, well, don't prophesy over me. You, that's, not, that's only in, that's the Bible. You don't, you don't prophesy over people. And I mean, seriously, I mean, it was just, I went up the escalator. I literally, I went up the escalator. We just had just gotten there. And my body wanted to do this. Right, right back down the escalator, the other one, literally. And I kind of felt, and I had to make myself step into the room. Because I, but because I knew the Lord was working, but I didn't understand any of this stuff. People go, hey, the Lord just gave me a word for you. Give me a word for you. What is, the heck is that? Seriously, I had no idea. I had no idea. The word is the word. I mean, that's the word of the Bible. Here's the word for you, you know. That's what I, that's what I would have thought, you know. And that's true. I mean, the, the, the word is the word. But so anyway, come back. Gillian says we're going to move to Kansas City. I said, I'm not. <laughs> Ava, 
Ava, yes, and don't hesitate helping me. So Ava's a two-year-old. We're going to move to Kansas City. We're going to move, move Kansas City. Kansas City, two-year-old. We're not moving to Kansas City. My job, my house, the cars, the dogs, my church, boop, doot, 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 you know. Um, just everything else. Everyth- I knew every place. Been there like 15 years. It was, it was great. Love that place. Love Wilmington. We really do. Love this place. Can't beat the water. But Franklin is also special. Oh, it's pretty. And so, so I said, okay, we'll go there for three days. We're going to set up a three-day trip in June. So we're going to go in. And uh, the Lord has to talk to me. I knew the Lord was talking to my wife. She's, he's been talking to my wife for a long time, years and years. She's praying for me. She's praying for other stuff. She's praying for people. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm going to church. I know the Lord. My heart is surrendered to him, and so on and so on. But, you know, I knew there was something else, and there was a ceiling that I couldn't, you know. And I knew I was a part of that. I was a part of the problem. And so we go to Kansas City. Two, almost three days goes by. We're in a Hampton Inn. Again, eight of us, suburban, drove to Kansas City, 550 miles. And Monday, I had to be back at work, coincidentally, just in case the Lord didn't speak. I, was, I had an out. And so, uh, so Sunday night late, I think it was, a, it was either Saturday or Sunday, it's almost midnight. I'm a morning person, if you don't know. It's, all, it's getting near bedtime here in about an hour or two. I'm not being too facetious. And midnight, I was wide awake, midnight. Sweetie, I got to go to the prayer room. They have, they've, they have a 24-7 prayer room with prayer, prayer, prayer with worship. And she's basically like, yeah, I know. Yeah. And so I go to the prayer room, midnight, 1231, 132. Oh, he's, and I'm kind of, I'm not taunting. I'm not putting a fleece out to the Lord. I'm not testing him. And not that there's anything wrong with fleeces, but I'm not, this isn't like a bargaining thing, but it is two. We got to leave the Hampton loaded with eight people in six hours to drive 550 miles. Okay. Two, two fifteen in the morning, two twenty in the morning, June 20th, 2010. I had an impression. I've, I've never had an impression. And I had my eyes closed just singing. I think I was singing. I might have been sleeping. I'm not sure because I was so, so tired. And I, there was this black space, and a white kind of head was coming through, through, through the space. Couldn't see exactly who it was, but I knew it was the Father. I knew it wasn't Jesus, and I knew it wasn't Holy Spirit. It had to be the Father because I knew the Father is the one that was encountering me on relinquishing my further control to him and trusting him. This whole journey of do you trust me? And he asked me two questions. Do you trust me? And I said, yes. And do you trust that I'll feed your children that are really mine? Yes, Father. We moved to Kansas City, leave my job, leave everything. (laughs) I'm just like, Father, we can do ministry in Nashville. It's really cool. There's a lot of people there. It's a great city. There's a lot of problems. And the Lord, you need to do a lot of good things in Nashville. And he basically said, yeah, and for all those reasons, you got to leave Nashville because you know all that. You know all this. you got to go to, like, new ground, you know. Okay. So we're in Kansas City, prayer and worship. And, I mean, my whole paradigms. now I'm hearing, like, deliverance, inner healing, Holy Spirit, all these things. And I'm just like, I, but it's good, but I can't grasp it. I don't, I just, I don't know what to do with it all, but it was just coming at me all the time, all the time. Gillian's praying still. Well, she's still praying, but... Lord, encounter him, encounter him. And so then we, we were just in this journey. I'd gotten, I'd been able to get about six months of 
pay from my work in Nashville, huge. It, that was a whole other God thing. But now we're raising support. So over the next six months, I drive 30,000 miles in six months, driving everywhere by myself, to and from Nashville probably six, seven times. I was in Ohio, Florida. I was all over the place, Boston. Um, anywhere where I felt like I could, I could share my story because my story was so awesome, people were going to give. Okay. So I have two appointments. This is the best way I, I, I can describe it. Two appointments back to back. First appointment, man, I thought it was, I was on fire. The Lord, he's doing this. Our whole family's in it. The Lord's working in our heart in adoption. And he, we're going to be working with an adoption ministry in Kansas City. And do da do do da da And this guy who I knew, obviously, I mean, we're having a meeting. He says, hey, ah, man, that's just, I love that. So happy for you. I want to pray for you. I'm just not led to give. It's just not stirring my heart because I'm doing some other things, da 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 Oh, my God. That meeting was awesome. Next meeting. I have to go right into it. And, of course, I'm, oh, now I'm, I'm kind of defeated. I'm, I'm, like, drinking some water as quick as I can. Next person comes in. Horrible meeting. A terrible meeting. I mean, it was horrible. I was, I mean, hot, sweaty, and stuttering, and just, it was terrible. Terrible. I thought it was terrible. And I almost thought, if, well, this is a zero. I'm done. I, uh, Lord, this is not going to work. Man, I love hearing your story. I'm in, my wife and I, boom, 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 $200 a month. Is that good? I'm like, God, it's all about you. And he was having to get me to the point of it's all about you. It's not about me, you know. So, man, okay, I'm, I got to roll quick here. Um, so this, this place of all about him, and I'm, then I ended up in an in a inner healing deliverance ministry, prayer ministry, I, last thing I would have wanted to do, I want to serve orphans. I know that world, but the Lord knew I had to get in there. Within a, we, a, a week, uh, within a month, we're in a uh, like little summer vacation spot with Gillian's parents, and I wake up in the middle of the night, and I'm being choked. And Gillian actually says, honey, honey, wake up. What's going on? My hands were around my throat. And she's like, honey, honey, and she's pulling, like, I guess my, my hands were around my throat, or, 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 I, you, or I was being choked. I know I was being choked. So I woke up. I said, sweetie, yeah, I'm, just, I'm being attacked by a demon. I never had said the word demon before, honestly. And, uh, and she said, um, well, are you okay? Can you breathe? You know, all the normal. I said, yeah. And I was sweaty. And I, was, I said, yeah, this demon and had all these demon friends behind him. And we were ministering to a guy, and he didn't like it. And, um, and I was trying to, you know, and then I realized when I was telling her, I realized I was trying. But then... Jesus in the dream, cause, but because it went away, and I, but then I said, yeah, because Jesus said, use my name, and all the demons will flee. So that was kind of, the Lord had to give me that, I'm, I'm rolling quick, the Lord had to give me that, like, encounter uh, to help me into prayer ministry, um, and then prayer ministry is, you know, and then the Lord gave me so many good reminders during prayer ministry. One time we were laboring over a guy, a couple of us, for about an hour, it was a two-hour uh, 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 setup, two-hour um, prayer ministry, and we're in the prayer room, and we're just going after, I mean, some of you guys might not be familiar with all these terms, but we're going after, you know, breaking lies and agreements, and there was a soul tie, and there was a this, and some forgiveness, all this stuff, you know, going on, and we're just like, Lord, you're going to do this, and nothing was breaking through, and you know, sometimes in prayer ministry, it's just boom, 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 man, the Lord's, sometimes it's like, and this was another one, it's not about me. All of a sudden, the guy receiving said, shh, shh, we're in the prayer room. And all of a sudden, you're a good, good father. Is coming from the stage in the prayer room. And, I'm, and I looked, 
Like, let's just pray and not talk to him right now. And about a couple, three minutes later, he said, he's a good father. And about a minute of him talking through that, the Lord, now, Lord, did you use our plowing, maybe a little bit, maybe, I don't know, plowing some of the ground, but, and the Lord was very clear, you know, I, I'm going to use you a lot in your life, but I really don't need to. But I will, but I don't need to. Because I'm not a God with any needs, but I will love to use you. So, you know, that whole, I don't want to unpack that right now, but okay, I got I to gotta, I gotta honor Daniel here. So just this whole theme of do you trust me? I mean, just between the healings and the Lord, and just standing here in Global River Church, I mean, if I would have heard at 19, 20, 21, we're getting married, and that I'd be in a church and with coming on a Sunday, and I mean, there's, you know, things, and like, I mean, I can't, to this day, Pastor Tom, to this day, every so often on a Sunday morning, I'm just kind of like, it's just like, not literally, but inside, it's just like flag, just, it's, it's people, three people praying for that person, and art's going on over there, and I mean, literally, just, it's, it's very rare now, but it's, it's still every, I'm just like, this is awesome, though, because it's heaven. It's like it's heaven, you know, and everybody's just welcomed and doing whatever they want to do, you know, but anyway, the Lord had to break some, just a lot of stuff, a lot of religious stuff. I had to go through my own prayer ministry. I've done it again here. Praise the Lord. Just, you know, I'm a work in process, the, you know, but, uh, and the Lord's still, still, still working on me. Praise the Lord. But, you know, just the testimony of, do you trust me? The, we, we adopted David out of the Lord emergency situation in the Marshall Islands uh, that I just can't speak to that exactly right now, but $25,000 in two months, but why not? I mean, God's, God owns everything. I mean, I'm like, God, this isn't going to calculate. And he said, I don't use the same calculator that you use, you know. And, and so 25000 I was calling landlords, probably one of the wealthiest guys on my list to call, and I didn't want to call him. And why would you not want to call him? He's got, it's just this reverse logic that goes through a lot of our heads in our life, you know. And I called him. He said, I want to buy the plane ticket, $2,500 check. It's in the mail tonight. Get her, get her over here. I mean, I could tell you so many financial situations because we had to. We were, it's not because I'm awesome. We had to have money. We had to eat. We had to have cars, basic, you know, gas, basic stuff, rent and stuff. I'm not awesome, but the Lord just, you know, $2,000 check here, $1,500 from there. I would get checks from people that would say, I'm not giving this money to you because you're not that awesome. (laughs) And I don't even know the person, but I know the Lord had to tell me that at that moment. So, okay, I gotta, I'm going to honor Daniel. So, I love y'all. Just The Lord is so good. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Oh, man. Richard, you had a crazy life. How'd you put up with all that? He's cute. He's cute. Well, I don't have that going for me, so I'm praying for you, I guess. What's that? I know. The good thing they're cool because my feet are ugly. So I like Richard's testimony. It's about, it's about provision. It's about seeking the Lord out of something that, you know, out of the world, coming out of the world into this new paradigm. And mine's a lot like that, too. Um, 
But it's more, mine was more, mine's more about my identity, who I thought I was. Walk in until I realized who I truly was before I could walk in to that relationship that Richard's walking in where I can trust that he's going to provide that he, who he is, who he says he is. He is what the word says he is, the truth in the Bible. But you can't see the truth in the Bible if you don't know who you are. Because you can't see yourself in the Bible because you're not, the, the identity that the world gives you isn't in the Bible. It's not in there. So you can't see yourself in it. It's not like, it's like the, the word, when you look at it, should be a, like a mirror showing you who you are. But if you're not who God says you are, you're not going to see yourself in that mirror. So my story starts out... Um, I was the second born of three sons to a mother and a father that were pretty lawless. So it was basically born into lawlessness. Like my dad was like this total biker guy. You know, he didn't really keep a steady job. He just moved where the work was. And he was, he was all about his biker club and their parties and drugs and all, how to make money you know, outside of legitimate jolly. He wasn't a nine-to-five guy. He was like, no, I'm going to take, like, all these drugs and go down to California and sell them and come back. That's how I'm going to make my money. <laughs> so it was very lawless, very, like... Um, and then my mom was like, well, I don't like that for my kids anymore, so I'm going to take the kids and run. So now I'm born into a lawless family, and now it's a broken family. So now I'm from, that's like building my identity. This is slowly building who I thought I was. Because these are the experiences we all have in our lives that build up who we think we are. Um, so I'm starting out in lawless, I'm broken family. We move all the way across the country, or halfway across the country. And now we're basically in poverty. It was like, mom doesn't have any training or schooling or anything. She spent most of her young adult lives in this biker gang, and it's like, I don't know what to do with three kids. So we're on welfare, and now I'm, like, surrounded. I'm the minority. Like, we're in a mostly Hispanic neighborhood that's all, like, projects and... Across the street is mostly the black neighborhood. And this is like my identity now is lawlessness, weird backwards family, poverty. And now I'm like this weird backwards minority. So now it's, I'm being ostracized for my race. So it's like this racism thing. It's just really weird to be growing up in this. And my mom says, well... You have some friends that go to this church, or what she thought was a church, but it wasn't really a church, but they can't hang out with you unless we go there. So do you want to go? And I was like, yeah, I want to be, I want to be friends with them. Well, it turns out it's the Kingdom Hall, the Jehovah's Witnesses. So at six years old, I started going to this Kingdom Hall, Jehovah's Witnesses, and I didn't know anything about Jesus. I didn't know who Jesus was. I remember the first time I heard who Jesus was, I was six years old. And this was right before we started going to the Kingdom Hall. 
my my mother took us boys to this church down the road. It was one of these really tall cathedral ceilings. There's organ music playing in the background, really like this picturesque, like pews and all this stuff. I was like, what is this weird place? <laughs> but I was only like six years old. I was a little guy. And um, when we started, they ushered all the kids out of the room. So I didn't know where I was going. I was just following the kids. I guess I'm going into this other room. I'm not, I wasn't raised in church. I don't know anything about Sunday school or what any of this stuff's going on. I get up there and she says, who, uh, she asks, this lady asked me if I knew who Jesus was. I was like, no, I don't ever heard of Jesus before. Who's this Jesus guy? So she tells me who Jesus was, and that was the first time I ever heard about him. But I, after that, people didn't really talk about him. So we go and start going to this church. It's Kingdom Hall. And my mom gets baptized, and they start dragging us around door to door. And I'm just like, this is I'm miserable. It's Texas. It's 100 degrees. Every year, I mean, every day of the summer, and I got to wear the suit and tie. I'm like, this is just, this is terrible. I don't want to do this. Make me go to strangers' places. They don't want to talk to me. And then she's like, you should do it. You should do it. So I'm like shivering, shivering at the door. Do you want my tract? <laughs> terrible. And they force their kids to do this. It's terrible. Kids do not need to have to get put through this. And I was, whenever Erica last week was talking about, you know, having to go up and give talks in front of the congregation, I could never, like, I, like I would almost pass out every time. I couldn't even speak in a microphone. Like, I, my voice would be so shaky, and I couldn't, I would forget to breathe. And I, I, I wrote, like, five minutes worth of words on this thing, and I'm just, like, trying so hard just to read this card about this scripture that they told me I had to talk about for five minutes, and it was, it was, it was traumatic. It was traumatic. I never wanted to speak in front of anyone ever again. So we're going to this kingdom hall, and we, didn't, we, were, we were the poor kids, so none of the other kids, like, wanted to hang out with us. You know, we, we went to all the gatherings with everybody, but there was no relationship. There was no family. I always felt like it was them and, and then me. I was so much rejection in that church, but I wasn't allowed to make friends outside the church or outside the kingdom hall because that's part of their theology is you cannot befriend anyone that doesn't believe who what we believe, and everyone else is, is not right. Everyone else is wrong. It's not, it's not about Jesus. It's not about relationship. It's not about believing the word. It's not about any of that stuff. It's about you are either Jehovah's Witness or you're not. And if you are, you're good. And if you're not, you're terrible human being. And there, there's no relationship. They don't want anything to do with you. It's miserable. So I can't have friends outside of the church. None of the kids in, inside the church want to be friends with me. It was, it was terrible. So I'm growing up in this, and I'm listening to them read the scriptures every Sunday. I'm listening to the study of the Word every Thursday, and once in other time during the week, I like this Bible study at somebody's house, and I'm hearing all these scriptures, and in their own Bibles, I'm hearing the scriptures. I'm like, this is not what you're doing. 
This is not who you say you are. You're not, you're not living by your own Bible, like your own teachings. None of you are doing these things. It's, it doesn't make sense. It's contradictory. The word you're using to try to explain these beliefs that you have, if they don't line up. So I had lost all faith in religion at that point because it's, it, was, it was a sham. So about eight years old, so I was young when I made this decision. <laughs> but at about eight years old, my mom had gotten remarried and um, her husband, after they got married, he lived with us for like two weeks and then left and never came back. And he got his own place, and he didn't want anything to do with her kids. It was all about us kids. He didn't want anything to do with us. He's like, hey, I can't live with your kids. I don't know what his problem was, was with us. We were just, you know, I was eight. My brothers were 10. My little brother was six. I don't know. I don't know if you kind of have problems with those kids, kids at those ages, but, and she, she couldn't handle it, and she tried to take her own life. So the church saw that as a, as like a, a, a just a terrible sin, and they disfellowshipped her. So now I'm like, my mom tried to kill herself because my stepdad doesn't want anything to do with me, and now the church is ostracizing her for it. What is going on in this world? This is a terrible world. <laughs> but this is building my identity. And I lose faith in, I don't know, I lose faith in, I'm, I'm not worthy of anything, but I'm just like trying to get through this. And the Lord, he's good, because eventually I realized that there was a world outside of this kingdom hall and that it's okay because one of these days I'm going to grow up and I don't have to do, have anything to do with these people. So I start trying to build relationships outside of the kingdom hall. Like I'm not supposed to, but I'm doing it. So I'm making friends at school now. I'm building relationships at school, um, sneaking around to try to spend time with my friends. And I realized that the, what the word says a believer is supposed to do and be, I'm not, I'm not doing any of those things. But I want to, I want to, I want to do those things. I want to be right in God's sight. I don't know what got into me, but when I was like 12, 13, I was like, I really want to be good. I don't want to do these bad things because my brother was doing these terrible things and I don't want anything to do. I don't want to be like him. But I know the Bible says I'm supposed to do good things. So it's just, just constant battle of rejection, but still wanting to appease, you know, the, what, God, what God's word says I'm supposed to do. And I sit down and like, I'm like 14 years old and, I, and I'm sitting there in my house all alone because we were latchkey kids. I don't know if anybody knows what that means, but it means you have your own key to the house. And you're like a child. <laughs> so you're free to come and go. Um, you're never at home, you know, you're always at home alone. And anyways, so I'm sitting there at home alone. And I like, I start like having this conversation with God. I didn't realize what was happening, but he revealed to me like, 
he wants something more for me. He wants something that I can't achieve right now. He, he has plans for me. And they're going to be fulfilled. And he's like, but you're going you're gonna to stumble through the world for a few years. You're going to stumble through the world. Um, and he actually gave me a bunch of years and dates. And it was just crazy, like this weird conversation with God. And as a 14-year-old, like receiving this information, like how, I'm not just making this up. Why would I think that in 2014 this was going to happen? Or why would I think that, you know, 24 years, this was going to be a huge change. And why, I had no idea why all these numbers and years and stuff was coming to me. But by the time that whole conversation with him was done, I felt at peace finally. Like I knew there was a plan and it was okay. So I didn't have, I didn't feel like, I felt like if I made mistakes, it's okay because there's still a, a bigger, better plan that I knew was in play. And he cared enough about me to share that with me. So for, from then on, I felt like I had peace. I had peace with the decisions I made. They might not have been the best decisions. They weren't. I made some terrible decisions. But I knew from that moment, I always knew there was a plan for my life. He gave me the plan for my life. He told me that there's going to be goodness coming out of it. So I had something to look forward to. Maybe that's why I had peace about it. So after that, I really went downhill. It was all about music and girls and drugs and drinking. I started drinking at a very young age. Um, Started smoking cigarettes at a very young age. Marijuana, everything trying all kinds of different drugs. It was just it was just this downward. I didn't realize it was downward. I just was having fun. I thought I was just partying it up, being cool like all the cool kids. But I didn't realize that I was being lied to. I was believing lies because not all the kids are doing this kind of stuff. It was just this little circle that I surrounded myself with. I surrounded myself with the people who were doing these things so that it made it look like the whole world was doing it. But that, that was a lie that I was believing. I surrounded myself with people who were, were chasing after the wrong things because all the people who said they were chasing after the right things, they, they rejected me. So that was just the world that I grew up in, and I, I created it. I could have I done different. I could have made better relationships. I could have, you know, I don't know. But I didn't feel guilty about it because I knew there was a plan. So... I start like looking for truth, like what, when, as I get older through high school and my later teen years, I'm like, well, I need to know what the truth is. So I start like reading books on like Eastern religion. I start reading books on witchcraft. I start reading books on um, all kinds of stuff. Just like, where's the truth? There has to be a truth. And maybe if I just read a books about all this stuff, Maybe, maybe the, the truth will reveal itself. Because uh, that made sense to me. Yeah? That's how everything else worked for me. It's like if I, 
if I, if I read all about, like if I read my textbook all about algebra, then the mechanics of algebra will eventually reveal themselves. That's how I learned. Like, like I wasn't just in, sitting in class listening, taking notes. I was just reading the textbook and trying to formulate the structure behind it. So I was reading all these books on all these different faiths, all these different concepts of all these, you know, uh, cosmological books and hoping that it would just reveal itself to me, not realizing that it's already revealed in the Word. So when I actually did start reading the Word, the truths that were formulating inside of my, like, my mental process were being revealed in the Word. So... I don't know. I don't know if this is helping anybody, but um, so I'm like, I'm trying to do it on my own. I'm trying to like, I'm working as hard as I can. I'm partying as hard as I can. Uh, I'm trying to be a father. Uh, I had a a child at a very young age. He got married at a very young age. The, The marriage collapsed very quickly. Um, because it was focused on, we were focused on ourselves. I was focused on, I don't know, I wasn't focused on anything about marriage. I didn't know how to be a husband. I didn't have any father to show me how to be a husband. I didn't know, I didn't have any, any kind of relationships with men. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. It was, it was a failed attempt, but I did get my daughter out of it, and I was raising her on my own for a couple years. And it was just like, all I was trying to do was protect her. I just wanted her to be safe. And so I did everything in my power to make sure that she had everything she needed, and I sacrificed everything else. It's like, this is the only, this is the only thing I can do right now, is just make sure she's okay. So it kept me safe. She kept me safe. And when she was around six years old, she went to this uh, youth group, um, we were staying with a friend, a friend of my father's, and his daughter went to this youth group, and she was like, can I take Crimson with me? Yes, go ahead. So she comes back, and she starts asking me all about Jesus, because I never really talked to her about Jesus. So for like six years old, she's like, do you know who Jesus is? And she's like super excited, because she went to this youth group and told her all about Jesus. And I was like, yeah, so cool. And I was like, yeah, yeah. way to go. <laughs> I just told her, look, some people think this is who Jesus is. Anyways, from that moment on, she always wanted to go back to church. So she was like drawing, like the Lord was using her, this six-year-old, to try to keep me connected to him somehow, right? So um, me and Alicia get together. We, uh, we get married. Crimson's like... She's like seven, eight, eight when we get married. And uh, so Alicia has been saved, but she's not walking with the Lord at all. And I have no idea what being saved means. Um, all I know is that religion has ostracized me and I'm still seeking truth and it hasn't revealed itself to me yet. So 
we're struggling. Our marriage is like, she's lying to me about her drinking. I'm like, I'm drinking too, but I don't, I mean, I can, I'm not the one with the issue. She's the one with the issue. <laughs> sounds silly, right? It sounds silly, right? So I'm like, well, if I think she has a problem, then I have to be like, I can't drink then. If, if that's going to be, if, I, if I'm going to say, you know, you have a problem with this, I have to show her that I don't have a problem with it. So I went these, I went you know, a long time just like, nope, I don't want any, nope, I don't want any. Hoping she would see something would change, but it never worked. I was trying to do it on my own. I was trying to teach her something. I can't teach her anything. Anyway, so we get, we get married, and we're fighting all the time, and she's drinking all the time, and lying about it, and I'm just, like, so fed up with it. I have no what to do, and I call her, I call her mother, and my mother-in-law, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. Is there, my mother-in-law, your stepmom, I don't know how you want to say that. <laughs> I don't know what to do. It's just, like, the life that I have to live now, because I've already had one failed marriage. I don't want to have another failed marriage. I don't want to be, you know, I've already... You know, this is Crimson's new mom. I don't want to break that up. Like, there was so much weighing on this marriage, and I was failing at it. And she said, well, you just need to go to church. That's the only thing I never tried before, I guess. I, I never tried going to church, so. So, um, I did. My boss, at the time, had been trying to get me to go to their church for, like, months. And I'm like, Thanks. I don't need to go to your church, but thank you. So after that conversation, after every, I had tried everything else, I went to this church, and they had great coffee, which is good. <laughs> I walk in, and I sit down, and they start teaching about what a godly man looks like, How what a husband looks like that can that can redeem their redeem their wife what that looks like right out of the scripture and i was imagine imagine that it was like that sermon was was written for me so i went for a couple of weeks and it was amazing because the lord revealed to me that it wasn't about me he revealed to me that i what i needed to do was to seek him. And if I sought after him, and he would reveal my identity as a husband, he would reveal my identity as a son, he would reveal my identity as a man. And in doing that, he, I'm being obedient to him, and she's being redeemed. So... I get saved, I accept Christ, she starts going to the church, I get baptized, I was like, the day I got baptized, it was like the last day I said a curse word, it was the first thing I got convicted of, I didn't even like consciously think about it, I was just like, oh, I don't want to say that word, like, I gotta figure out something else to say, because that just tastes, that tastes bad, saying that word, like it tastes, so I gotta figure out how to talk again, so... So I get convicted of that, and, but I didn't really get convicted of anything else. 
so it was a long process of growing and understanding who, what that identity was because there's a lot of the world still in me. There was still that rock and roll, heavy metal music in me. There was still that addiction in me. That I, I, but I, I didn't look at it as like something that I had to battle. I looked at it as something that the Lord was going to take from me. So it made it, it made that, I mean, I don't know if that's good or bad or whatever, but it made the transition for me simple. It took some time. It took some growing. It took some relationship. But I knew that it was something he would take from me as long as I continued to try to know him more and try to understand what my identity was more. So it wasn't about trying to quit smoking. It wasn't about trying to quit drinking and trying to, you know, quit hanging out with these people and stop, stop doing this. It was just try to understand who I am and let him do work in me. So it took several years, but we took, we were going to this church for a couple of years and we felt like we were on top of the world, like we knew everything about everything now because we had Jesus. And, you know, he, he was in control, but we were such babies and we didn't even know it. Um, we took my brother in who called me one day. Here, I'm, I'm just doing everything I can. I'm working as hard as I can to provide for my family. I'm doing all these things in my strength. I still hadn't relinquished my own will yet. And that's part, of, that's part of claiming your identity is giving up your own will. And so I hadn't released that yet. So I'm still doing everything on my own will. I'm still working, you know, 110%, um, trying to, just trying to do everything I knew how to do the best I could do it. And I'm out working up in on the North Slope in Alaska, hundreds of miles away from home, and my brother calls me and he says, I need you, I need you to get me a plane ticket. I have to come. I need your help. My older brother, he's, he's in a bad place. He's in Colorado on the streets, addicted to heroin. Um, the law's after him. He's getting accused of murder. It was just terrible. Like, this terrible phone call to get. And what was I supposed to do, you know? It's my brother. So the last time I had seen him, he was on top of the world. He was in, he was in finance. He was in mortgage loan brokering. Like he was driving a BMW. He had a, some condo in some highfalutin neighborhood in California. And I'm 100% certain it is his fault that the housing market crashed in 2008. <laughs> because he explained to me what he was doing and why he wouldn't get me a mortgage loan. And he was like, no, you don't want anything to do with this because this is not right what we're doing. <laughs> and when he explained it to me, I was like, that doesn't sound right. And then when I found out what happened in 2008, I realized that he was doing what caused the crash. I'm pretty sure it was his fault. <laughs> Everybody he worked with went to jail, and he went to Colorado. So, so to see him, like, it was crazy. So we were like, yes, come live with us. Bottom plane tickets, come, and we'll help you find Jesus. Because we're so solid. <laughs> but what happened was the opposite. 
Yeah, he really, he really, we, it was like, it's like you take an empty vessel and you, and you take a full, a full vessel and an empty vessel and you tie them together. It levels out. Does that make sense? So what we brought him up to, he pulled us down from. We weren't, we weren't grounded. We weren't strong. We didn't have, we had no Holy Spirit. I once asked about Holy Spirit in my church, and my pastor was like, we don't talk about that here. I was, they gave me a Bible. First Bible I ever had. It was read a Bible in, in a year, one of those Bibles. And I get to the scripture about being baptized in the Spirit. And I'm like, there's another baptism? I was so excited. I went to church the next day and I was like, hey, where's the second baptism? Did you see this in the, in the Word? And he's like, he's a pastor, right? I'm like, he's like, yeah, we don't believe that. It's in the Bible you gave me. We don't talk about it. So that really hurt. And then, so that was kind of helping, helping us kind of come back down to my brother's level. And anyways, so it got to a point where, again, I'm at my, my, my lowest. I mean, my, my family's falling apart. My, my, my brother, my mother hates my wife. My brother's an addict and is leeching off of me. My other brother hates me because I taught his kids how to walk. And it was, that's a whole other long story trying to help him, and now he hates me for helping him. So we're at this low again. I'm like, I haven't had enough of this. You guys, my family is falling apart. I have to do something to save our faith. We need to get back to where we were in Jesus. That's what helped us, was who we were in Christ. That's what brought us out of this pit the first time. So I cut off connection to my family, and we moved as far away as we could in Alaska, which was like 500 miles or something. Five hundred, yeah. It's like the highways in Alaska make a big square, and we were down here at the bottom of the square, and we moved all the way up to the top of the square, <laughs> in the middle of nowhere, into this cabin that had had like nothing. It was like a well and septic, and I think it, I think it just had power. That was it. <clears throat> Um, heat was all wood stove heat, I think. No, no, there was a, it was a boiler, but it was, it was diesel oil. It was diesel fuel. That's what we heated the house with. Anyways, we moved out to the middle of nowhere, and um, that's when Alicia had her breakthrough. That's when I was working. Um, I, all I could do, all I could think to do is work. That was the only way I could try to support my family, and I was just watching it come, come, come crumbling away because of addiction. It didn't matter how much money I made, the addiction soaked all that money up. So everything was, you know, I'm making six figures in, in the red every month because the lifestyle was just, it wasn't healthy. We were still, like, claiming to be Christians, but we were not living that way. And then when it all fell apart, the house was falling apart. The septic was no good. The water was no good. The, the chain, I think Alicia broke the ax trying to chop some firewood. It was just, everything started falling apart. And then she came to her end finally. And the Lord came and met her there. 
and it started us on a new path because we realized that you can't be part of the way in. You have to be all the way in. You can't just read the Word and then go about the day. You have to be in the Word. You have to be what the Word says you are. It has to be a mirror. You have to see yourself in that Word when you read it. So it started us on a new path. It's all or nothing. He, he did this for us. We have, to, we have to honor that. So we said, Lord, take us wherever you want. We want to know who you are. We want to know who we are. We were trying to sell our house back in Eagle River, and it never sold. So before the snow flew, since the whole cabin thing was falling apart, I was like, I can't, can't live here anymore. So our house, we managed to move back into our, our house um, back in Eagle River before the snow came. It was a miracle. He got us to that cabin the day after the snow melted in the spring, and he got us out of that cabin the day before the snow came in the fall. It was perfect timing. Fairbanks, you know, when it snows in Fairbanks, it snows like this much. And it's, and it's like, yeah, 60 below zero and dark. Like, it's miserable. So he got us out of there, though, before, like the day before it, it came. So it was, his timing is amazing. That was 2014. He said that I would be in and out of the world until 2014. And I didn't think about it until the next year when we decided to move to Wilmington. I realized that that freedom came in 2014. That life changed in 2014. That was, the, that was when it was no longer in and out of the world. It was no longer about me and my... It was about trying to find his will, find him and my identity in him. So that was like more confirmation that this plan was written. It was already in place. I just have to be obedient. So from that moment, I realized that I had been being as obedient as I knew how to be because he was still, he was still honoring his side of the, of the bargain. He was still honoring everything that I went through, everything I, I put him through, everything I denied. He was still honoring his side of that bargain that he struck with me as a teenager. And it just blew my mind. It was, but it built my faith. And I knew he was real. I knew this was going to be, this was, this was the right thing to do. He revealed that the word was true. And all throughout this, he kept revealing, okay, I went to college. And I took, I was like totally denying Jesus, went to school, and I could never I could never grasp onto evolution as an origin. I never believed it. I couldn't, it didn't make enough sense to me. And I couldn't ever put, I couldn't ever understand why that was. Because all these other people were believing it. And then I went to, I went to, I took anthropology, trying to understand what they thought about the origins. And none of it made sense. Come to find out, they don't even know. They're just propagating, they're propagating theories, their guesses. And then they'll tell you, once you get high enough in school, they'll tell you what we're teaching you is a guess. What we're teaching you is what we think might be the best solution. But they won't teach you that in high school. 
They won't teach you that in middle school. They'll just tell you this is the truth because you have to, under, you have to believe this is what we're saying. But once you get into college, they start re, you start realizing that these things are not true. They're guesses. And my guess feels better than your guess. <laughs> so I'm working in Alaska. We moved here. I'm working in Alaska. And I got this job where I'm like in this office all by myself all day. So I'm just like absorbing the word. I'm absorbing, I'm spending eight to 10, no, 10 to 12 hours a day in the word, in sermons. I find YouTube. I didn't realize that YouTube had sermons on it. That was amazing. That was like my whole life opened up then because I started hearing people teaching on what creation was and what the, you know, how the biblical, what the biblical view is on the origin of life and how the timeline and what the word says and, and the, the facts that back it up. So I was like, just all of a sudden, all my internal theories were being, they were being um, justified. They were being uh, confirmed, confirmed. And I was just feeding for like two years. And then I get home one day and Alicia's like, I don't know what to do with like, I feel stagnant. I'm like, you have to get on YouTube. There are sermons on YouTube. You can just put a sermon on and listen to it all day long. And she's like, all right, you're going to have to show me how to do that someday. If you knew her now. <laughs> she's just, she feeds on it nonstop. But uh, it's, been a, it's been a slow transformation, but it's been a realization of an identity that was always there. And always, I'm just going to say this, wrapping up. If, the, if you don't see yourself in the Word, you haven't realized your identity. It has to be a mirror, and you have to be able to see yourself in it. I know your testimony, and I don't want you to stop. And I didn't want Richard to stop either. I could. I was so engrossed in that. Um, and I want to share this with you guys, too, that um, it was a miracle that our house was still available for us to go back to when we were in Salcha, which was my, it was like hell on earth, but also my greatest breakthrough moment with the Lord. Um, he said we were in the red. I, I was spending like all of our money on my addictions, which is pot and alcohol. It wasn't all of our money. It was all of our money and our daughter's money too, because she was working at the time. That's right. That's right. Oh, that's right. Um, and then when it was time to go, we had a house to go back to because we actually thought it was sold, but the, it fell through. And, um, it didn't go into foreclosure, which is a miracle. And when we went back home, we had four months of mortgage payments to make up and no money. And we made those mortgage payments up and we still to this day don't know how. We have no idea how we got almost $10,000. We have no idea. And he's been... 
he's been doing with that, that with us. The last seven years, I come from a mindset where you work for your money. You earn every dollar. And we held on to that house when we moved here. And then the Lord told me it was time to sell it. And we had renters, and we didn't have always the best experience with our renters. And yet somehow we always had the payment needed. We always had what was needed. And then when it was time to sell, we had to sell from across the country, which is not easy at all. And you're dealing, the house needed, it was trashed. It needed to be clean. It needed to be fixed up. And we got a realtor that staged it. She was incredible. She actually had to clean the house herself because the cleaners didn't do a good job. And it sold on the first day for full price. It was the easiest thing that we'd ever done. And I look back on that, and it was right before COVID hit. And I can't imagine trying to deal with renters across country during COVID. And um, he told me it was time to sell the house because he gave me my washer and dryer that I had. I, I was the rich man. I was sad. I was sad that we had to leave our home. I loved that house. I was sad of possessions that I had to sell to get here. We sold everything except for rocks and coffee cups, and that's God's honest truth. (laughs) Rocks and coffee cups. And I was sad one day, and I said, I really miss my washer and dryer. I was here the first two years without a washer and dryer. I missed my washer and dryer. It had no agitator. It was big. I could fit my comforters in it. And I was just kind of, just it would be nice to have that again one day. And um, he moved us to downtown, and we needed to get a washer and dryer. And lo and behold, he took us to a store that had my washer and dryer, but it was used. But it was in perfect condition. Exact same one from the time that we went home. And he said, I gave you your washer. It was the last thing I had in that house. He said, you have your washer and dryer, now go sell your house. (laughs) But I share this to say that This is a room filled with those testimonies and those stories. And it's just a matter of being obedient. And like Richard, I mean, you walking away from your engineering job to be a regional missionary. That's so profound to me because most people we know that are totally surrendered to the Lord have retired from those jobs. There's always a call to the marketplace, but most people are too afraid to lay that down. And so I just want to, the testimonies in this house, just share them. It's so beautiful. Um, I don't know where to go from here besides just we love you. And do you want to, like, yeah, just, I, yeah. Jesus, thank you. You're just amazing. Come on, let's stand. We've heard about identity and trust and the journey, the revelation from the young boy who, by all shakes, should have never made it. <laughs> and and now look, and I'd love to hear at some point when they heard they were coming to Wilmington. That's an amazing story right there, and then to have them here. So, so Lord, we just thank you, Father, for the revelation of identity. Those that are going to listen on live stream at some point, Lord, we ask that you, wherever you're parked, whatever journey you're on, whatever addiction you've been battling, 
whatever hand you've been dealt, whether it's the lawlessness, the brokenness, the family, the poor identity, the biker gang kid, the, the, the racial tensions, wherever you've been, God is bigger than all of that. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd break into the circumstances, whoever's struggling right now to find out who they are. God, I pray that they would turn and pray and see that you're waiting. <laughs> you're waiting with an open door to come in. So, Lord, I thank you this evening for what you've done and what you are doing in the midst of the, the testimony says, the, the t- Revelation 19.10 says, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So he's prophetically released a word into lives t- during this season of what we're sharing so that you have hope that Jesus is who he says he is. And I thank you, Lord, for that in Jesus' name.